With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Hello, friends. It is Angie Austin and friends. We've got Beatrice Bruno, Donna Hetzler, and Michelle Ron, my Christian God Squad, my mm, good news God girls. Squad. Yeah. Good news girls. Yeah, the, the good, good news, news girls. girls. <laughs> we, we gotta, I'm telling you, we're going to do a book. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. We're going to do a great. book on all of our testimonies. I think it could be pretty powerful. And, and that'll so give too. me an excuse to write a shortened version of my own. Uh. Yes, you know. that'll get you rolling. And then yeah. from there, you can write yeah, the decide. complete right. story. Well, we can all decide if we want to write. You guys have written books, but you, you haven't written <sighs> no, your testimonies. No, that's true. Yep. No. Yep. But yeah. Beatrice, you've got some layers that, you know, there's a <laughs> lot in there that you've just started talking about. And you know God just keeps peeling them off. <laughs> I know. No, I just, you know, you guys, I, I saw the most fascinating thing the other day, Beatrice, and you and I being such good friends, it blew me away. And it's a documentary, and I love documentaries. Mm -hmm. And it was a documentary, and I'm not going to get into every little specific of it, but what it made me aware of was, so this was in the 1950s, uh, Ruth McCollum. Are you familiar with that name? She was a woman, she went, an African-American woman in Florida. She went in and she shot and killed her doctor. Well, she admitted she did it. And initially they were like, oh, they're arguing about a bill. Well, come to find out, you know, this whole Jim Crow era that this man allegedly had believed it was okay, her doctor, you didn't have someone in the room when you were examined. Uh, Well, her young baby, coming to find out, looked exactly like him. Oh, Lord. And we find out that they'd had a quote-unquote relationship. Now, what you want to call relationship, whether Mm -hmm. or not he decided they would have a relationship. And what was fascinating to me Mm -hmm. is that this woman, she she ended up getting uh, uh, the death penalty, but they reversed it. Um, all of these things that were uncovered that back in the day, no one talked about. That's right. Right. So a lot of her mm-hmm. testimony wasn't really made public. Um, pardon me, Ruby McCollum was her name. Mm-hmm. And it was just fascinating to me, the life she lived, what she went through in an era that wasn't that long ago in the 50s. And she was the wealthiest African-American woman in her town. Her husband had a way of making business that was may have, maybe a little bit, uh, called it Bolita. It was like uh, it was the at the lottery of the time. Oh. So anyway, it just to me, I don't know. Sometimes I feel because when people talk about white privilege, you know, I grew up without a lot of money and 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 I lived in low income housing for a lot of years, and there was the drug use and the alcoholism and the dad not being around through part of my childhood. Blah blah blah. So with that said, I've never really felt that I had white privilege. But then again, when I go back to the 1950s and I saw the current of the time. Mm-hmm. And how the KKK just marched on right on down the street like, you know, they had every right to. Yeah. And then I saw, you know, young men who'd been, you know, killed, lynched because of the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. And it was just a wake-up call for me. I think I'm a little bit more, um, okay, I'm not saying that 
I believe that racism is as prevalent today as the news makes us feel it is. Mm -hmm. But I was shocked to see just that short time ago in the 50s in watching the documentary how this woman could have been sexually assaulted daily and not necessarily been able to do a thing about it. And what did lead her to kill this man and shoot him? Hmm. And it was obvious that everybody admitted that this was his daughter. Right. The one-year-old girl was his daughter. It was obvious. Wow. In fact, the nephew said, I said, Mama, that baby looks so white. And he said, and I remember my mom told me, shut up. <laughs> and, you know, and, and we laugh now about this stuff, you know, in some instances of it. But it's, it's sad that this country, especially, had to go through that to bring us to where we are today. And are we past it now in 2017? Oh, no, absolutely not. But have we come a lot farther than the media leads us to believe? The country, I do not believe, is as divided as they make it. Like, you look at Houston and how people come together down there. But, Beatrice, is it, the, is it more prevalent than I think it is? Am I completely oblivious to it because you and I aren't together all day long and I'm not going all the places that you go and I'm not at your side? Let me put it to you like this, Angie. Um, there's a video going around concerning the rescues down in Houston where um, white people with boats were coming through some of the areas and telling the black people that were waiting to be rescued, let your Jesus rescue you. What? what? In 2017. Wow, I did not. I yes. haven't heard about that. I did not hear about that. Yes. See, yes. I, uh, but are we... Do I, I feel sometimes, am, am I because I'm a white soccer mom? And yes, I did grow up poor. I didn't have a lot of privilege. I had to work my way out of it, so I don't feel the white privilege. Do I have white privilege that I'm completely oblivious to because I'm white? You know, that I don't know if Beatrice still has to deal with a bunch of bunk? There I mean, are we some see, We see videos from time to time, but you know what I see when I see those videos when someone's being discriminatory and they catch them on video? I think they're ig ignorant and uneducated. That's what oh, I see. That's I right. don't feel like they travel in our circles. Absolutely, and, and they don't. Okay, but then there's also things that we don't see. I, I have relatives in South Carolina, and South Carolina now is worse than it was in the 70s when I was are growing you serious? up. Yeah, but wow. it's, it's to the point where um, my people... Okay, they they talk about white people with such disdain, but then you see some of the things that's going on in the community and why they're saying those things. And it hurts my heart because we've come to 2017 and this is as far as we've gotten. Right. I mean, come but on. But we had an African-American president. Doesn't that say that, you know, that a lot of the country has no problem or sees past color? No. No? No. You think people who are racist voted for him? I, I think people who are racist probably put him in office so that they could control him because the presidency most times, not current, but most times is bought. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like he definitely was his own man and did his own thing in many cases. In certain ways. But it's, it's just interesting for me to hear, you know, uh, I don't, I walk through the world with blonde hair. Yeah. So I don't walk through the world knowing what you might have to deal with. Yeah. So and I it's don't more know. prevalent south, isn't it? Down south? Problems. I mean. Yeah, the problems with that. Is it's that true? It's a lot of that stuff out here. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But y'all wouldn't know anything about it because 
because you wouldn't, mm-hmm. huh. you know, and it's, it's a shame. But and see, because there are so few black people here mm-hmm. in this area, you really don't see it. And that was true when I was growing up. I mean, I grew okay. up in the Midwest and I in the 50s, yes. in the 50s and 60s. Oh, there you go. I was so naive. I mean, I look back on that Ku Klux Klan. I didn't even know. Yeah anything about the Ku Klux Klan when I was in high school. I did not. I mean, and that's... I didn't either. But then, you know, my dad, I didn't, you know, his students were various colors. And he was a professor. My stepmom was from Iran. And I grew up in the Midwest. There were not a lot of African-American families in town. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not at all. Yeah, but I didn't, when I did, you know, have to, um, have to, when I did interact with people of other colors, I didn't think anything of it. I mean, for goodness sakes, my dad married someone of another color when I was 12. So I certainly wasn't brought up in a household where we thought people were different because of color. But goodness gracious, if you grow up in an area where people are treated differently, I I mean, boy, what a sad thing that these kids are so easily swayed yes. to hate. I feel sorry for them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's not the kids. It, it's the parents. Right. It and, really is. And it's they're the learning from the parents. Yes. That's yes. absolutely Don't right. Don't you play with that look that day. You don't play with them little colored children. Well, the thing yeah. that shocked me, Beatrice, and if you're just joining us, good news girls here, we're just uh, chatting right now. Uh, and Beatrice, the thing that shocked me from your own childhood is something that I'd never heard of, and that was that you were darker than your... Uh, you know, some of your family members and darker than some of your friends. And so uh, other African-Americans were prejudiced against you because you were darker. Yes. And that other African-Americans, one woman in particular, told her daughter she couldn't play with you because you were darker than her family. I was too black to be played with. Oh, I have never heard I, of I, such I, a thing either. I, I, ever. Yes. And she lived with that her whole life. She believed that she was unattractive because she was darker. Right. That's right. And that's that's the way it was because you, there was the, okay, I've got a paper bag right, right in front of right, me. Right, right, right. Oh, you, you do. Were Darker than this. <laughs> Stop looking at the cake. Okay, it's mine. Okay. <laughs> if you were darker than this paper bag and look at my skin, I'm darker. Your hands aren't, though, underneath. Well, yeah. underneath, no. Okay. But this portion. Okay, okay. So my face. Look at my face okay. against the bag. I'm okay. darker than that's the bag. That's a test. That's a. This is, the, this okay, is that's to determine. Me out. This is to determine if you are socially acceptable. And if you're darker than the paper bag in your community as in a my child, community, that you will not you be included. Important. That's right. <gasps> wow. That's right. It was so a, they're basically saying if someone that's white has infiltrated your family, it makes you a higher rank, and that was within your own community? Okay. Let's go back then because, to let's the be honest, slavery because times. Most likely that meant that there was a white dad in there. Look at the slavery times, okay? Look at some of the movies that came oh, well, out. Well, we were just talking Roots. about about yeah. Ruby, yes. you know, in the 50s, that this yes. doctor that they quote had it in a relationship right now, right now it might be called, you know, an assault. Yes, but not back then. No. Because then in, in, right. the, in the days of slavery, when slavery was rampant, you had the house Negroes and the field Negroes. The house Negroes were lighter in color. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And the, the field Negroes were dark-skinned. And why were they lighter? Because they because were having they were relationships. More, well, with... and, and also, it was more pleasing to have them in the house so that when their friends came over, they would see the lighter-skinned colored people, okay, darkies, that were serving them. They didn't want to be served by the dark-skinned okay, that darkies. Okay, that's just blowing my mind. Did I you know, guys even I, know that there was this? this? Is, no, this I had real. no idea. This, this is, is real. That's but that then again is that part of our as they call it and again but I, I'm I'm just I'm trying to 
in my mind figure out whether sometimes I'm naive to what's going on around me. When people say that we have white privilege, again, I look back on my impoverished childhood at, at times, not my whole childhood, and think I didn't have white privilege. But it, it, is it? did I not know that I had white privilege because I never experienced racism? And I remember the first couple of times, because I had friends who were African-American in high school and college, and when we would go places or like a group of us were on spring break, one of the first times that like someone said something to one of my friends, and I and it was racist, and I was so like shocked like aren't you people from the south from like the 1930s like i didn't know you people existed anymore like Mm. ignorant people Mm. Mm. you know and i I was so taken aback yeah Yeah. although i don't think it's gone i do think that fewer and fewer people think like that i do too younger people i I kind of have a funny story about it from growing up um i grew up in southern california as a mixed neighborhood you know it was like lower middle class or whatever just working class and uh it grew up you know i'd Black friends, I had a lot of Mexican friends, white friends, stuff like that. But I didn't realize that we were different. And it right. wasn't until I was I, I was in high school and I was watching an episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Huh? I didn't, okay, so <laughs> I was in high school before I realized Will Smith was black. I didn't, it didn't occur to me. And it was an episode of that. Yeah. And it was an episode of the show that was based about the difference between black and white. And it was, you know, it was a, it was a show, one of the more popular shows that kind of brought up these issues yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And I... I remember thinking like, whoa, and I had one of my friends that I grew up with, Arian, she uh, she was black, she was real dark skinned black, and I know she had a lot of the of the same discrimination like Beatrice talks about, and I remember talking to her like, I didn't even occur to me that you were different or that, and I was like, I don't, I'm not going to look at you like you are like that, and I like to think that I'm raising my kids like that too. We were at Waterworld, and there was this real, real pretty little black girl standing in front of us, and Jason was like staring at her and I was like what are you looking at buddy he goes that girl's skin is so pretty that's what he oh, said she's all kind of glittery from the water and I was like she yeah. is pretty isn't she he's like yeah oh, so, is hard. Well, like you know this, like, it's interesting because uh, I, I do think my kids are pretty colorblind and we were at um, a family camp and there was a boy that one of the grandmas brought in fact two boys and they were from a very difficult lots of different dads in the family kids and dad in prison this that and that and the other and so he totally fell in love with Hope, who was like eight at the time. And he would pick her up and carry her around, and then she'd pick him up and carry him around. <laughs> and he said that she was the best friend that he'd ever made. And for him to find, like, another kid that was so loving and accepting mm-hmm. of him being, quote-unquote, different at this pretty much mostly all-white family camp, let's put it that way, that he was so uh, taken aback by uh, just how lovely she is. She's very loving, this kid. So anyway, to make a long story short, I think my kids are pretty oblivious to mm-hmm. color. They are. Mm-hmm. Um, this one little girl that had a very unique name, Beatrice, um, had been texting my son. And I just assumed she was African-American because she really did have a very unique name that, to me, sounded like she was African-American. Mm-hmm. Right? And so then when I saw her and she looked like me, <laughs> I was kind of taken aback. You know, I was like, but, you know, our church is, um, that one of the churches we go to is, uh, when we went, it was all African-American except for our family. And now it is predominantly black, but more people, they've really opened their doors to people of various right. colors, which I so respect that, you know, when you're in your own community and right. you've suffered through things, maybe you don't want white people to attend. They never made us feel like that. They always made us feel very welcome. But I'm just kind of trying to get to the bottom of, am I out of touch? In some things you are, but in some things you're not. But Angie, you don't know color. Right. Okay. You don't make a difference. There's no no distinction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's no distinction with you. Okay. And that's good. and 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 I feel like my kids don't 
realize that. In fact, one of her teachers um, who's black gave her a book um, to do a book report on, and I asked her if it'd be okay if we waited because mm-hmm. it was about um, a, a singer uh, who was black who wasn't allowed to sing in you know, white establishments at mm-hmm. the time. Uh, and she is an opera singer, was not Maria. I think her name was. Anyway, to make a long story short, I said, can we wait? Because I don't want my daughter to think any of her friends were at any point, like in history, mm-hmm. where her friends who were different colors or their, their parents or their grandparents were treated differently. Because I'm not even ready to introduce that topic to right. her yet. Right. Sure. Yeah. I didn't even want her to know what exi- that. I don't even want her to know. Like to, I don't even know if she could process it quite mm-hmm. right yet. Yeah. And I, I think that's good um, because you're protecting your child. She'll she understand it better later, I think. She now will, she and won't you get will it. go back and, and, and yeah. explain to her yeah. why. Right. You know, but, and, and that's what parents need to do. That's what people need to do concerning this situation because it is still out there, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I, but, I think Dave's right. It's better. But it's I, better, I think but I'm it's learning that it's yeah more there than we thought. Yeah, I mean, what that the, the stories out of Harvey that's a little bit shocking to me. Mm-hmm. If you're just joining us, uh, the Good News Girls, we're here on the Good News. Normally, we share a lot of good news stories. I can't Donna, you have a name. We have, have a name. name. <laughs> Didn't I bring it up to you, Donna, like about yes, six, eight months ago? I said we did. need to write a Good News Girls book and yes. we need to do our testimony. I like that. But you know, with a lot of like in my life right now, there's just a lot of changes. We're moving, and my my, my husband's company, a lot of things. Have happened. All of our parents are alive. You know, I know that there's, uh, you know, changes with grandparents in the future from, you know, mid 80s down to 70 for the ages of the grandparents. There's five of them. How blessed we are to have them, how close my kids are to them. Mm-hmm. But also with work, you know, Dave knows he laughs when he looks at my calendar because it's so blocked out, like uh, how many things I have in the day and not everything's in there, Dave. Most of my guests aren't even in that calendar. Oh, and so um, he, I just have, I'm overscheduled right now, so I need to figure out what I'm going to cut back. Am I going to work less? Am I going to do whatever? And, you know, when you've worked to this point and you've developed so many things and I've got, you know, a couple of different shows, it, um, it's hard to let go of some of these things. But as I've considered letting some things go, it keeps popping into my head that um, I've been for many years told I need to write a book. So I thought, well, what easier way or better way, I should say, to do it than to write one where all of us um, include some of our testimonies and That's put our cool. feet and dip our toes in the water. Because I've thought many times about how Jesus has really transformed our lives and how what he's done for us. And how I don't think our stories have been fully told. And that's part of why I invite all of you back over and over again. Because I think we all have pretty amazing story testimonies of how Jesus has transformed our lives. And yes. you know, with Donna's childhood, her parents, her sister dealing with some pretty serious um, mental health issues. Like my brother who was killed did as well, schizophrenia. Right. And Beatrice, your childhood, very difficult. And having your grandfather who loved you so much and then he's gone and you've got the grandmother that you believed hated you mm-hmm. and you wanted God to take her and all of the things that you suffered through in your childhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, family just not being there when you'd excel in basketball and the trauma you suffered at the hands of other kids your age, boys in particular, mm-hmm. uh, and the abuse. And Michelle, you know, your story of survival I mean, you could have been gone from us, you know, 20 years ago. That's right. You know. Well, God has t- a perfect time. 
and we just need I, we need to be aware of it. I'm thankful every day that he's given me extra extra time. Never written your hearing. story, have you? No, and I I really want let's to. Let's do this. All right, let's get We're on this. To. We've got to get this. on this. I because think we the, each decide. We figure yeah. out how we divide up the book. And there's about there's us and a couple of other girls who've been mm -hmm. part of our pack, our Good News crew. Mm -hmm. And maybe we write our testimonies. Isn't the Good News all about sharing these testimonies with you it. listening? We share them. Plus, that's a goal that makes me work towards. That's yeah. right. Yes. When you've got the winter while you're being in Florida. Oh, well. Florida. <laughs> Not sure. Yeah, you might stay here this winter. But, you know, we need to do this because there's some women listening right, right. now yeah. that could, that's gone through some stuff. That we've yes. gone through. That we've gone through. Yeah. And they don't know how to fully just heal. stand and yeah. heal. Yeah, and that the power of Jesus to yeah. heal that. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know why this would keep popping in my head. I'm not ready to write my own book, but I certainly think we could come up with something pretty powerful between the four of us. Yeah. I thought it's maybe mine would be uh, life before the camera or life Ooh. before the oh, microphone. Oh, yes, that would Yeah, because be I think my life before all this like was that. pretty shocking. Uh-huh. Like and when that. people hear it, they're like, how on earth did you get out of there? Yeah. And why didn't my brothers get out? Well, one did. Yes. I talked to my brother the other day, and it was so sad. Oh, it was so. Be Beatrice's talk yeah. with him, with me, to pray yeah. for him. All right, ladies, we're going to write our right. book, The Good right. News we're Girls Testimony. Beatrice, your website. DrillSergeantOfLife.com. Donna. JerichoGirls.org. Michelle. Michelle at MichelleAron.com. Go to Donna's website, JerichoGirls.org. There is a women's conference in November. I'm speaking. She's speaking. We'll all be there. Yay. Yay. Go, yeah. Go God. <laughs> Go God. Go God. I love it. Good news of Jesus for you in high definition radio and streaming at 670kltt.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hey, it's Angie. All right, a great, beautiful fall getaway. The elk, the colors, parties, kids' activities, and it's reasonably priced. Where? YMCA, the Rockies, uh, Snow Mountain Ranch, and also the Estes Park location. Uh, they've got some fall activities going on. There's going to be a Halloween party on October 28th if you want to plan ahead. It's reasonable. Some of my kids' favorites, there is the zip lining. There is the craft shop. They love the roller skating. There is rock climbing, putt-putt, uh, uh, tennis. Uh, we spent our family reunion up there this summer, and it was mind-blowingly fun. And again, it's reasonable. That's why we go several times a year. YMCATheRockies.org. Sometimes my kids even cry when we leave because they're like, we're leaving our place. I'm like, it's our place still. We'll be back. We'll be back. YMCA therockies.org. You won't regret it. It's great to see the elk this time of year. So cool. Hi, it's Angie. Hey, would you like to donate items? You know, maybe some old sporting equipment, old furniture, old clothing. You'd like the tax write-off. You'd like to help others, but it's kind of a hassle to gather it all up and drop it off, and you're just too busy. Well, guess what? Bark Thrift Stores, they will come right to you, to your house, pick up your items, and leave you your tax write-off donation form. How do you do that? Call 303 238-JANE, 238-5263. And again, all of these items that you donate, they help people right in our own community. They help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And what better thing to do with your items that you no longer need than to help others? I shop at ARC all the time. I get my kids sporting equipment, gotten a rocking chair. I've gotten boots there. I have a purse that's amazing that still had the tags on it. It's a coach bag, and I got it at ARC. I shop there, and I help others, and I donate my items items about once every month or two and I call 303-238-JANE and they come right to my house with the truck and they pick everything up. 303-238-5263. 
you know, check it out. Again, 303-238-JANE. Well, praise the Lord, and welcome back to Angie Austin and Friends. This is Beatrice Bruno, the Drill Sergeant of Life, and got in the studio with me, my good friend Donna Smith-Hetzler, and um, she's with the Jericho Girls, and they got an event coming up here shortly in um, this fall. Yes, November. Yes, hallelujah. We've also got producer David, and he's been regaling us with these daddy jokes, these father jokes. And I'm like, <laughs> Lord, please don't let my husband meet him because I don't want him to pick up all those jokes. How about this one? How about this one? You oh, would. So, what's a pirate's favorite letter? R. You'd think it'd be R, but it's most likely C. <laughs> Okay, that's enough of that. Thank you so much. <laughs> What's a pirate's favorite place to shop for the kids? Where? Toys R Us. Oh. <laughs> okay, We're Donna, good at this. Donna, We're good at this. Donna, 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 <laughs> Donna take it back down. Take, take it, it back down a notch. notch. Keep okay. those moves for at home. Yeah, yeah we, we, uh, oh my goodness. Hey, we've got our, our good friend and, and um, uh, the author of If I Could Do It All Over Again, and I, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I'm intrigued by that title because just recently I was um, looking at my life. I'm 58 years old and I've accomplished some things, but if I could do it all over again, what mm-hmm. are those things I would change? And and so we're going to talk with John. Okay, help me with your last name, dude. Well, Beatrice, it's Gager. Gager. G-E-R is how it's, how it's spelled, but boy, that sure doesn't help you, so Gager, yeah. Gager, all right. Okay, well, John, it's very nice to meet you, and God bless you today. Well, likewise, and it's fun to be with you, Beatrice, and back with uh uh, Donna, who I had a great time with a couple of months ago. Yes, so we had so much fun in studio. I really enjoyed yeah. hanging with you yeah. and discussing. Yeah, I had a blast. So uh, yeah, I got a joke for you guys. Can oh, I come right. Right. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, so 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 here's this guy. He lands uh, in New York City. Never been there before in his life, and uh, he, he gets picked up by a cab driver. And uh, as he's uh, about to get into the get into the cab, he taps the driver on the shoulder to ask him something. The driver screams, loses control of the car, nearly hits a bus, drives up on the sidewalk, stops inches from a shop window. Uh, And for a second, everything is quiet in the cab. And then the driver says, look, friend, don't ever do that again. You scared the daylights out of me. Well, the passenger apologizes and says he didn't realize that little tap could scare him so much. And the driver, after kind of collecting himself, says, sorry, it's not really your fault. Today is my first day as a cab driver. I've been driving a hearse for the last 25 years. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. John, you cannot meet my husband either. Okay? I, I'm keeping him away from these jokes. Okay? Well, I, I'm sitting here, Beatrice, saying, I think I need to meet this man. Oh, Lord. <laughs> he has a thing for, for blonde jokes. Okay? Oh, does he? Yes, he does. And he tells some of these jokes that I, I just give him the look. You know, and the, the look is bred from 26 years of don't tell that one again, please. I, I, think just, I, I just don't do it. I think I want to come over to your house, like in a oh, blonde Lord. wig, and be like, hey, do you know any jokes? <laughs> <laughs> Flipping my hair. And <laughs> that would really make his day. Mm-mm-mm. So, John, your book, If I Could Do It All Over Again, that, that's an intriguing title. Now I'm going to have to go and find the book so that I can read it. Because, like I said, I, I'm, I'm looking at my life, and, and, you know, being 58 now, I'm like, okay, Lord, I, I'm fit 581 days away from 60. You know, what are those things? Yes, I'm counting down, dude, because there are some things that I really want to accomplish before I turn 60. Yeah. You know, but what are those things if I could just do it all over again? What what lessons do you think God is teaching you these days? Well, you know, he's still working on me as far as uh, 
letting go of the failures and letting go mm. of the regrets, you know. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, this is current. Since I was last on with you all, uh, I heard uh, James McDonald, great preacher, mm-hmm. say, regret is where we, we visit, but repentance is where we live. So, mm. so we don't live in, in regret. We, we, we visit there once in a while because we're human, and, and, but, but repentance is where we should be living, changing. Uh, so that, that would be one thing, just, just not wallowing. You know, there's no verse in the Bible that says you've got to wallow. <laughs> Amen. You're <laughs> you know? right about that. Uh, the Bible doesn't say if we wallow and confess our sins and wallow some more. Hmm. No, it says <laughs> if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus, uh, you know, the con- you think of the conversation he had with uh, uh, the woman of questionable repute. He said, yes. you know, go your way and, and, and sin no more, you know. Yes. I mean, that was, he didn't say go wallow. That's right. You know, That's so right. uh, go, repent, be different, be better. Amen. I, I've met um, Dr. McDonald. He's over in um, Chicagoland area. Yeah, he is in the northwest suburbs, actually yes. in the in the town where I grew up in. So he's oh, a okay. familiar, familiar face. Amen. Now. Yeah, I've been to um, his church several times and, and went to a um, business conference out there, the Christian Business Fellowship. And um, uh-huh. he gave the final words, and then I, I heard him again on that Sunday morning. And I tell you, he has some profound sayings, he really does, that really gets you out of that, that place of mediocrity. where we're Well, well Beatrice and Donna, you should know that... Uh, Pastor James McDonald is one of the 28 people that we interviewed that are contributing to this book, If I Could Do It All Over Again. So the unique okay. thing here is it's a, it's a collection of their wisdom, not just their wisdom, but their honest admissions, their, their failings, their foibles, their, their wish for a do-over. Hmm. You know, so, so unlike reading about you know, their greatest accomplishment in ministry, it's their mistakes, and this is the kind of stuff you don't just get every day. So I found it kind of refreshing to know that the people whose sermons that we hear, whose books we read, whose, whose music that we sing or listen to on the radio, these people, they've got their regrets and mistakes, too, but they've also got some great advice for us. Amen. That's great. And, John, um, have you picked up on a hurt or need that people connect with in the book? And if so, you know, what would that be? Yeah, I think it is the issue of getting beyond the stuff they'd like to get beyond, Donna. It's, mm. it's the idea of, of wanting to be free of regret, but not quite sure knowing how, or mm. not quite sure that we've got the permission to do that. Right. You know, yeah. I, I have to be honest with you and say, I think I was in that latter category before I started the book. You know, And that might sound dumb, but do I, do I have permission? Is it, is it okay to move beyond this stuff? And the answer is not only is it okay, it's the Jesus way of life. Yes. That is so true. You know, you, you've got me pondering now, John. You <laughs> I really see the do. wheels turning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I, I've had a full life. I, I really have. I've served in the, the United States Army. I've, I've mm. done things that other women probably will never do. I served as a drill sergeant for a couple of years, and, and those are my non-regrettable years yeah um after getting out i I drove a truck with my husband well first i drove solo and and then i drove with my husband as team drivers that's not uh, that's not regrettable Um, my only regrettable things probably would be not pursuing the things that i i wanted to pursue when i was a kid i was a, a a teen mom at 16 and um, graduated from high school at 17 went almost straight into the army but i wanted to be an attorney 
I wanted mm. to I wanted to do something, you know, and 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 even now um, when some friends of mine, they're becoming doctors, PhDs and, and doctors of, of ministry and all this. And I'm like, Lord, what about me? How would you how would you even talk to me about that? What, what, what would you say to me? Well, you're, you're never too late to become the person you want to be as a, mm. as a, as a great uh, ad, you know, admonition. Uh, so I don't think we, we somehow reach a point and those dreams, sorry, expiration date, too bad. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I would share your, uh, your fifth decade by way of birthdays, okay? <laughs> I, I, regret, I regret not, um, not getting a book published before. Okay, and, yeah. and I had the, the interest and the desire for decades. But in some ways, I think um, uh, having, having done this now, and working on a second and, and mm-hmm. soon a third, it's sort of like um, I don't think I was ready yet, mm-hmm. and I think it would have consumed mm-hmm. too much time that okay. needed to belong to my children. Okay. You know, okay. Uh, as it is, I think uh, I, I'm struggling with the cheating time from my wife. You know, I, a confession I would make, uh, and I would say this with my wife sitting in the room, is I, I think I've had a lot of mistresses over the years. Uh, not physical, mm-hmm. let's be real clear about that. I hear you. But certainly uh, uh, ideas and, and ministries even have been my, my mistresses. Writing a book can become a mistress. Mm-hmm. Promoting the book can become a mm-hmm. mistress. Yes. You know? And, and uh, right now, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm working my way through Kyle Eidelman's book, Gods at War. He talks about idols. And I'm, I'm discovering all the idols that I have in my heart. So Ooh, all that to say uh, to your question, it isn't too late mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to pursue whatever dreams God's put on your heart. Amen. You're, you're, you're not beyond any of that. And I would say that goes for, for any listener. Amen. Uh, we're, we're, we're not too late to not just dream the dreams, but go out and chase those things that God's put in our hearts. Amen. Amen. That's good right there. Now, you, you mentioned your children and, and spending time with them during this process. What, what were your, I don't know, what, what would you tell our, our listeners today about the God-given mission that you know you had and your children and combining, meshing all this stuff so that you will be able to impart and plant seeds into your children so that they can be even better than you? Well, you're asking a tall question there, and I, <laughs> because I'm not sure I could give you a satisfying answer. First of all, I wouldn't, I wouldn't for a moment suggest that I somehow did it right or that I, mm-hmm. I somehow uh, made the right balance. No, in fact, uh, I, I, when, when people say, what can I pray for you, John? You know, about four times out of five, I'll say balance. I, I'm not sure I'm doing a, a good job of balancing hmm. family and ministry and work and, 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 and even uh, leisure, you know. Mm-hmm. I struggle sometimes to, to, to relax a little, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I was blessed with good parents, and, uh, you know, they, they spend time with us. And so in that modeling, hopefully uh, time with them. Uh, I, I'll say this much. In, in more recent years, we, we have a policy at our house uh, that John does not work more than two nights a week, mm. two to three. I can go up to okay. three, and, and that's it. And in fact, guys, I actually keep a log. I have a calendar, a nice, you know, Hallmark calendar thing, pocket size edition. <laughs> and as I did last night, I worked uh, two hours uh, on some scripts. I wrote down two hours, scripts for today in the Word. My wife then sees it and initials it. It's just sort of our way of keeping accountable, our way of saying, this was the deal, 
I'm sticking to it. Here's the document to show it. John, I love that because um, about five years ago, I, I implemented something very similar with David, and it was once a week, usually at, you know, Sunday night or Monday morning, we would go through our schedules together and yeah. you know just talk about what we're doing, how we're spending our time, and is that a useful way for your time, or do we need to be spending more time together? Like, can we put those things aside? And um, typically my schedule is, is packed and he's looking at me like, hello, I'm over here and I love yeah. you and I wanna spend time with you. And so it's a good reminder, it's a really good way to say, am I utilizing the time that God has given me on this earth with first God, my husband, and then all those other things that fall into place, the kids, the ministry, you know, work, all that stuff. So I love that. Um, can you tell listeners like maybe how they could implement something like that in their lives so that um, they don't live with regrets? Well, you know, I, I think you do have to have a conversation, like you said, like you had with your, your husband, David, with uh, yes. uh, me and my wife. Uh, it, you know, I actually said, okay, all right, what's reasonable? What is reasonable? What, what, what would be too much? Well, obviously, you know, seven nights a week is too much, six is too much. Okay. <laughs> I said, what about two or three? You know, and so that's how we, we arrived at that. You've got to toss that out because, we, you know, we all have, whether we think about it or not, expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, your husband has a certain amount of expectation of, of what your availability is going to be. Right. And that might be different than your definition and vice versa. So, so I think we've got to have those, those conversations, you know, until we ask, until we, you know, are comfortable being honest with each other. We're never going to know what a proper target should look like. Hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's a, that's a starting point, is having that, that uh, frank conversation. Amen. Amen. That's good. Now, John, we've got about four and a half minutes left, and um, I, I want to ask you about this um your observations of Mordecai, because I love that story, Mordecai and mm-hmm. Esther. And I see you preached a sermon called Uncommon Wisdom from an Unlikely Dad. And I, I take it that you are targeting um, Mordecai as being the unlikely dad in here. Exactly. You think about it. Here's a guy who uh, is single. He's not married. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't have any kids of his own. But into his life comes this girl, Mordecai, a relative. And, and the Bible says that he raises her as his own. Hmm. And, uh, you know, that sounds charming and quaint and nice. But <laughs> think about the fact, you know, here's a guy, a single guy, trying to raise a little girl. Now, uh, you know, just the other night, uh, uh, we had our granddaughter, Ava, stay with us. It's the middle of the night, and uh, uh, she needs to have her diaper changed in a bottle of fat. I throw the bottle into the microwave, and I'm changing her diaper. And I unsnap the onesie, and we put the diaper on. And I snap number one on the one, and the second snap. And there's a third snap, but there's no place to snap it <laughs> because, because I'm off one. And I thought, this is deja vu, man. This is how it was with the kids when they were little. So I unsnapped them both, guys. And I started over, and I snapped the first one, and I snapped the second one to end there. Still wasn't a thing. Oh, no. I hit it wrong the third time. I don't, okay, then I get the bottle. Oh, it's too hot in the microwave, so I throw it in the freezer. And finally it's okay, and she's finally drinking her bottle and this and that. And then uh, 30 seconds later, you know, I'm sitting her up and burping her, and, and there's some goo flowing down my ankle. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, just think about poor Mordecai. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what it was like. Only you know, he didn't have a wife to to yeah. take turns with on that to that's spell right. him off. You know, or I I think I'm doing good just to get the the right shoe on the right foot. <laughs> I've had my little grandkids say. That's the wrong foot, you know. <laughs> so, so here's Mordecai raising this this little girl, and uh, and 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 so in many ways he was un, an unlikely dad. Hmm. But you think about it, you look at Mordecai and you realize being a dad of uncommon wisdom, which he really was, it's not about the hand that life has dealt you. Uh, it, it's not about the state of your finances. Mordecai's an exile. He owns nothing. Right. He's living far from home. In fact, where he was in, 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 in Susa, the city, mm-hmm. that's in modern-day Iran. He was 971 miles due east of Jerusalem. Mm. It's a long way from home. Mm-hmm. But, but think of it. Mordecai's rich legacy reminds us it's not about the state of our finances. It's not about having a birth certificate for the child in your care. Mm-hmm. Esther was Mordecai's cousin, mm-hmm. not his daughter. That's right. But he treated her as his own. Uh, you think of girls, you know, they, they have to have bows in their hair and ribbons and ponytails. I'm terrible at all that stuff. <laughs> uh, just just hilarious. And then come the teenage years, right? Mm-hmm. you got hormones and emotions and boys, and this Esther is a knockout. So, so Mordecai had his hands full. Uh, but being a dad of uncommon wisdom is about caring for your kids. Amen. Uh, e- e- even after they leave the house. So Amen. just a lot of thoughts. You think about Esther. She's now married to the king. Amen. She's mm-hmm. the queen of an empire that's 44% of the global population. John, but, I hate to do it to you, but we got to cut you off. time always goes so fast to, with yes, him. Uh, we gotta, Darn we it. Get this lady. Hey, tell people how to get in touch with you real quick. Head to doitallovergain.net. Doitallovergain.net. Amen. Thank you so much, John. God bless you, and may he bless you abundantly in this season of your life. You too, Beatrice. You too, Donna. Thanks. Thanks. Your next shopping trip could change the lives of some very special people right here in Colorado. When you shop at ARC Thrift Stores, you'll not only save money, but you'll also give back to our community by helping people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, just like these ARC ambassadors. A lot of people, they have misconceptions about people with disabilities. A lot of them think that we can't do things that other people can do, and that's just not true. We can do what other people can do. It may take us a little bit more time to do it, but we can. We're just like any other human being. We have feelings and we have emotions, and if given the chance, we can shop. And I think that ARC has done a very good job at showing that. I like it there, and it helps me out to learn about reading off the labels and stuff. I like helping out different people, a lot of different people I help out. Find the ARC store near you at arcthrift.org. It's nonprofit, and it's a great company to work for and a great place to shop. And remember, every Saturday, you get 50% off most items in the store. Welcome back to the Good News. Gail Hamilton has been on the show before, and Michelle Ron, one of our Good News girls. Michelle, you know Gail oh, through I do. And Senior America, which and you were, and she was as well. She, oh, we're both queenies. You're both yes, queenies. Queenies. <laughs> yeah. Queenie for our Lord, we are. Love that. All right, and so Gail, tell us what is going on, because you've been on before to give your testimony about, you know, your achievements and, uh, you know, not having a sight. Uh, you've got your wonderful dog with you, Vinny. Um, but there's something going on in your personal life right now that you need some help with. Yes, I have been living and been blessed with a Habitat for Humanity home for the last nine years. I love my house. I built it with my own two hands, from the crawl space to the 
roof. I actually had a picnic on my roof one day. Oh my goodness. <laughs> with cookies. Um, and yet it's in a beautiful part of town. It's on a green belt and it's very lovely. And yet as a blind person, it's really difficult to get around without a car or some sighted assistance. So after nine years of living there, loving it, I've decided to move to downtown Inglewood where I can get on a bus and walk to the store in a bank all by myself without depending on sighted people. So it's very hard for me to have made that decision and yet I did. And now I need to sell my house and because it's a Habitat for Humanity home there's different income qualifications that make it difficult to sell in this market. So I'm coming on today to say, A, how blessed I am and how much I love my home and how I build with my own hands. And it's, it's beautiful. It's built with love. And yet it needs to go to a wonderful person who would like to buy it and we can give the income qualifications to as well. Well, Donna, interestingly enough, author and speaker, we speak together. Yes. But this is an area of expertise for you too. So as a professional, what would you ask her? What do people, what, do, what does a buyer need to know? Yeah, so um, marketing is key, obviously. So you want to really market that niche in particular. So and who, who is this person you're looking for? I mean, is there a certain level of income? Like, what is it exactly that they need to know? Well, it's uh, all up to their income. Yeah. So it depends on the number of people with an income that can live in the home. So okay. if it's just one person, it's only $47,000 annually. If it's two people, it's fifty-three thousand seven hundred. Three people is sixty thousand four hundred, and so on. So, so one person alone can't make more than forty-seven thousand in order to purchase it. Correct. Okay, and right. what's the purchase price? Two hundred and twenty-nine thousand. Two hundred twenty-nine thousand. So right now, that's the, that's the sticking point that you can't find. If someone makes too much, they can't buy the habitat for humanity Correct. home. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And I, this is Michelle, and I will add, it has a great park across the street. I mean, yeah, it's right. You, you do yeah. look right out to open areas. Yeah. So I mean, it's uh, it's been great. It's an for easy Gail access off of Santa Fe. Mm -hmm. I mean, for for that. So people who are working downtown, right? You know, it's a great great part for that. Well, you know, it's interesting because we say 47,000, but I think there are a lot of people that don't make that much. But mm -hmm. then when you bump it to two people, 53,700, now when you combine incomes, that's less common. But I actually think 47,000 is, and is that before or after taxes? Well, that's yeah. gross income. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So that would be after taxes. Right. Uh, no, gross is what you don't get. I always remember that. Gross is that's what you right. Don't. So gross, you don't get so, it. Yeah. So gross. <laughs> How big is the house? It's about nine hundred square feet, just under nine hundred. So is it two one bedroom, bed, two bedroom? One bath, okay. Yeah. Okay. A nice living area with dining room and kitchen off to the so side. So that could actually be a, a roommate situation then. Can you have roommates Correct. in habitat um, homes? You can. Not for rent, but okay. As, oh, but it could be know, a room. I gotcha. That yeah, makes sense. Okay. All right, again, so Gail has been Miss Senior America. Uh, she's in a Habitat for Humanity home. She asked if she could come in today to give specifics on that. So how do people get uh, information if they're interested? $229,000. And again, uh, Gail uh, cannot see, so she would like to uh, move into a place where she doesn't have to depend on others to drive around where she can get right on the bus. That completely makes sense. 
And uh, the phone, it's uh, Sold by Dan, www.soldbydan.com. And uh, Dan's phone number is 720-290-1118, 720-290-1118. Well, thank you so much uh, to both of you, Gail Ham- Hamilton, and also bringing along real estate, uh, soldbydan.com. Thanks, guys. We're going to be praying over this. God's yeah. going to bring the right person in. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.